slowing down, checking in on, on people and make sure everything's okay. And my role is, what can I take off your plate? I know as, as leaders, we talk about that, but are we really doing that? Are we saying it and then calling something else like, hey, we're taking this off, but oh, we're adding this, <laughs> right? So just being aware and cognizant of, hey, like, I hear you, I'm gonna slow down, right? Because we're doing this together. That's Josh Van Norman. He's the superintendent of the San Antonio Union School District in California. He's a champion for equity, innovation, and change. And he lives by the motto, dream big, take risks, and no excuses. He's joining me today to share how the power of relationships and his motto allowed him to turn around a district that had some of the highest suspension rates and chronic absenteeism to becoming an award-winning school in California and one of the newest members of the League of Innovative Schools. How do you navigate change? It's a question we think about often and one that today's world expects us to be comfortable with. The challenge, however, is where do you begin and how do you develop the mindset and skills to be successful? You're listening to Designing Schools and I'm your host, Dr. Saba Kidwai, educator, researcher, and storyteller. Join me each week for stories and strategies that bridge the gap between research and practice as together we explore how might we design schools. You know, it's interesting. A theme for the podcast this season was what it really means to be a transformational leader. And we use the definition of David Notgrass, where he says a transformational leader is somebody who encourages creativity, somebody who recognizes accomplishments, somebody who builds trust and inspires a collective vision. And every single person this season on the podcast has said without a doubt, the number one way you become a transformational leader is through the power of relationships. Last week, I was in Austin and I attended South by Southwest, where again, as you talk to people about when it came to leadership and what allowed them to really navigate change, particularly over the past few years, a resounding theme from every person's conversation was relationships. Now, I know it's a word we hear often and it seems so obvious, yet the holes in our system and the fact that still so many people are asking for this to be a priority tells us that there is a lot of work that still needs to be done. I asked Josh how he prioritized relationships when the pandemic struck, especially because he was a relatively new superintendent at the time. So my first year, probably first six months, you know, I'm getting to, you know, to know the staff, I'm, I'm meeting families, I'm, I'm networking around, I'm going to community events and, and uh, I'm hearing concerns, coffee with Mr. B, right? All these different venues working with staff on professional development, hearing their concerns about issues to focus on and, and feeling like we're making some headway there, taking on, by the, oh, by the way, a modernization project, which that was my first month. So you have all these things going on, which, which is typical, I would say. And then just when you get into your groove, COVID happened. And so my mindset shifted from going to, you know, hey, let's do PD and all this other stuff to the essential needs, right? We had families with, with no internet. So we worked with an internet company to get free internet for the rest of the year, right? March through June, getting food for our families. So that service didn't stop. 
pet food. I, I mean, like all these different things, Saba, where I think you, you go from the, I don't want to say the regular school stuff, but it was in many ways to hey, bare necessities. Like people want to know that we're okay. You know, one of the things I did those first two weeks is I, I set up a Zoom call for all staff every day at the same time, right? Just to check in. And so it was a way for, because I don't know if you remember, the first two weeks was a lockdown. So nobody was on site. Nobody was doing anything. It was so bizarre. And so for me, I like to, I like to talk. I'm relational, I feel. And so set up this Zoom every day. And people could just sign in, hear updates. And, and some days I had a lot of updates. And other days, it wasn't much. But we would just talk. Hey, how are you doing kind of thing? How's your family? And I think that was huge. It was It was kind of forget all the work stuff. How are you as a person? How are you as a person? It's a simple question, yet one that has a profound impact on those we serve. One of the reflections that many had is that very few teachers really knew their students and very few leaders really knew their teachers. That's what we mean when we say that there's a relationship gap that we need to work on in our schools. In times of crises, you learn really quickly what you have that's working well and where you have gaps. And leadership is really no different. So I'm really curious to hear from Josh, what were some of the leadership lessons that he learned that he had never been taught yet were the most valuable ones to have? So I think the first one is the importance of relationships. I think, you know, going through credential programs and various master's degrees, whatever it is, schooling, there's a lot of academic focus, which is important. Don't get me wrong, but you have to connect with people. They have to know who you are as a person. And and I talk a lot about the human side, right, with, with staff here where, you know, we can talk about strategy and logistics and all that. That's important. But the day to day human side is important. They got to get to know you first. Um, so I think that's one. I think listening. <laughs> Maybe I'm a slow learner, Saba, but now being married, right? A, a husband and a father. I have a, another son on the way in the spring. I think learning to listen more has been a lesson for sure. I have a certain personality type. I, I want to get stuff done, uh, you know, go getter. It's a former division one athlete. Like, so it's ingrained that we, we get stuff done. Right. And so sometimes slowing down, I guess that's another life lesson. Slowing down is important because if you're just going and nobody's with you, <laughs> what are we doing? So I, I think those three for me, relationships, listening, and just slowing down, especially now with, with the environment we're in, just slowing down, checking in on, on people to make sure everything's okay. And my role is what can I take off your plate? I know as, as leaders, we talk about that, but are we really doing that? Are we just, are we saying it? And then calling something else like, hey, we're taking this off, but oh, we're adding this. <laughs> right? So just being aware and cognizant of, hey, like, I hear you. I'm going to slow down, right? Because we're doing this together. Relationships, listening, and slowing down. Ironically, these are actually all of the mindsets that you begin to adopt and that become a part of your practice once you begin using design thinking strategies. And one of the things I've been doing a lot of work with schools on recently 
has been how to move away from this idea of using design thinking to simply do like a design thinking project or, you know, a one and done type activity and really begin integrating design thinking practices in their day-to-day work and how they're leading meetings and how they're working with their teams and how they're creating simple things like agendas, how they're having conversations about change. And one of the things that Josh highlights most recently in our conversation is how the focus is often on academics. And while that is absolutely important, the human element, those relationships, that listening, that slowing down is the foundation upon whether or not you're going to oftentimes be successful in your goals. It's no surprise, and I feel like I've said it a few times now in this episode, but over the past few interviews that I've done, relationships, but more importantly, the idea of actually listening to people have become key elements that every single person has identified. And it's not just listening to people on your leadership team. It's listening to teachers, and more particularly, it's listening to students. I asked Josh, given that he was relatively new in his district, What were some of the steps that he took to build that trust with his community so that people were comfortable and felt safe opening up the door to sharing what was going on, to sharing their concerns, but also sharing their dreams with him so that he had an opportunity to be able to listen? I think the first thing, like I think back to when I first got hired, I was younger, <laughs> right? Number one, uh, my son was six months old, right? My wife's super supportive. I think, you know, just letting people see who I was, right? And so when I first got hired, my wife was there, my son, my parents came up. So it was like this, this family feel like, hey, we're kind of, you know, the, the phrase we use is all in, right? That's our hashtag. And so it was a commitment from my angle of saying, hey, I'm here, I'm committed. And people, some of it said, man, you're crazy. And you're leaving. I was in some very, you know, I think well-respected districts still are. And I have nothing but love for those people. But yeah, I had, I had you know, family, friends. I'm like, man, are you, are you sure? First of all, they said, San Antonio, you're going to Texas, right? And I'm like, no, 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 this is San Antonio, Central California, a beautiful area. So I think the first thing was, you know, people thought maybe, hey, what, what is this guy doing? He's leaving San Diego, coming here. So I think there was an element of like, hey, he's kind of crazy, right? Number one. But number two, like putting myself out there. And so once I got hired, talking with staff, right? Meeting the colonel at the military base, setting up time where we have about 30% of our families are from the military base. And so that first month, meeting families. And it was, you know, I shared my background, kind of who I was and where I wanted to take the district, where I wanted us to go. And, but then it was pretty much open for questions. And I, I stayed, I answered everything, you know? So I didn't want anybody to ever feel like <laughs> he's ducking out after three hard questions, right? It's like, hey, hit me. Like, what do you got? And so doing things like that, um, different community events, I'd pop in and, and you know, started coffee with Mr. B. And again, that was a way for parents to see who I was. And, you know, who doesn't like to drink coffee and, and have pastries and just kind of get to know one another? I mean, no matter what culture, right, you're in, food brings people together. And so I think that was the start of just letting people see, hey, he's open, right? You can ask me questions. Maybe I don't have the answer. You know, I think that's the other thing is just being honest. (laughs) You know, I can be nice about it, but I'll say if we're not very good, we're not very good. We got to get better. Or if we're doing good, you know, 
we're doing good. And I'm going to tell you, here are the facts, right? Here's the evidence to that. But I think to build trust, it's daily. It's this constant interaction, whether it's popping into classrooms, whether it's, you know, seeing parents at pickup, doing these events, coffee with Mr. B, you know, board meeting, whatever it is. And I like to talk to people. I do. And, and I have a sense of humor. I think that's another piece where, you know, I like to give people a hard time. I'm a diehard San Diego Padre fan, Charger fan. And so being in Central California, you have people that are either Dodger fans or San Francisco Giant fans, right? And so I give, you know, I talk trash in a good way. But again, that comes back to this whole idea and theme of the human side, right? I'm not just about business. It's, hey, this guy can joke around. He's a father. He's a husband. He's human, right? And I have imperfections too. But I think when people see all these different pieces, you know, I show up, I do the work, you know, I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty. I think sometimes people let titles get in the way, you know, I help pick up trash. I help, you know, cut a tree. We had a pine tree that needed trimming, you know, I'm doing stuff like that. So I think when people factor all this in, it's like, hey, he's all in, he's committed and he's not above anybody else. I wanted to know, were there one or two really hard questions that till this day, you're like, oh my God, I'll never forget that question I was asked. Uh, I'm pretty good. Like I'm pretty, I've gotten pretty good about just answering, honestly. Like I just felt like, like if I don't know, I say, Hey, you know, I don't know. I'll get back to you. But I can tell you after I got hired, my first official board meeting to this day, I remember this, uh, you know, public comment. I've learned to, you know, just kind of go with stuff. But I remember I got kind of blasted in public comment. And here I am thinking like, this is my first meeting. I wasn't even here for this. Like, (laughs) I just remember after the thinking like, Wow, like okay, I'll take the heat. But it was funny because that was trial by fire. Like, hey, first meeting, I got zinged, which was cool. I guess that was my initiation. But yeah, it was, you know, part of the course. But but I, I come back to maybe why that person felt like that. You know, they're passionate. I, you know, I responded to you care about your kids. Like I totally get it. You know, I'm a parent too. I I would care about the same issues you care about. So I think weave that back to okay, so we have differences of opinion on a variety of things, maybe you versus the district. However, I think the thing most people can agree on, I haven't met anybody actually that doesn't want good things for their kids. Like I haven't met anybody that doesn't want good things for their kids. So I keep coming back to that because yes, we may differ on X, Y, and Z, but hey, at the end of the day, we're trying to help your son or daughter. More than hard questions, he says, being able to not react to comments can be harder. Ultimately, we all care about kids. Being able to connect on our shared values is what will bridge the gaps between people. Building trust is a series of daily actions. Letting people see who I was, he says. Being vulnerable enough to let people ask the difficult questions. That foundation is essential for us to be able to design change, to open the doors to creativity and innovation. So I asked Josh, how he built on this culture to accelerate innovation within his district. Good question. Yes. So I think, first of all, it comes down to getting to know people. Number one, I come back to relationships. I think talking to them. I think one of the things I try not to do is micromanage, right? I mean, if you're brought on, I believe that you can do the job. So I'm not going to get in your way. And that's, that's hard, I think, for leaders, you know, myself included. You know, I... Came from the classroom. I used to be a coach in high school and junior college. You know, like I said, I was a collegiate athlete. So there were things that, that in my mind, I wanted to see and things done a certain way, right? You know, when you're coaching, 
you know, there's an expectation you're following what we're, what we're coaching you on, right? And so, and I think that's hard when you're maybe a newer administrator. And then over the years now, it's, I've learned, hey, you know what? Most people wake up and they want to do a good job. You know, there's very few people, I think, in the world that wake up and go, man, I, I just want to stink it up today. I don't really, you know, I think they want to do well. And so believing in them, letting them do their job, trusting them to do their job. I think that's the best way to build trust is saying, hey, you got this. And I'll be here to guide you and help you if you need it, right? If you fall down, I'll help pick you up. And let's talk about how, how we can get better. But, but to say, hey, like I trust you. And then I go micromanage everything about your day. That does not build trust. So talk to me, was this something that the community was already used to? Was this something that was new for them? Like if somebody is sitting kind of thinking through how to implement this where they are, what are some sort of strategies you might share? Yeah, so uh, my advice would be probably don't go in and just say, hey, we're going to be creative. I mean, maybe that's part of your mission and vision, but I think before they buy the, the mission and vision, they buy into you as a person and staff buy into you as a person. So I think I come back to, hey, just you're talking to people, you're building relationships, you're connecting. It's the human side, right? And so whether that's, you know, parents, your board, staff, and then once they kind of see who you are and you're consistent in your practice, in your verbiage, right? And what you're saying, you can't be a hypocrite. You can't say one thing and do another. When you're doing all these things, then they say, okay, this guy's for real. Like, I understand him. I get it. Okay, now what is he saying? Oh, wow. Okay. So I think that's the first step. But as far as this community, I don't think they were ready for that yet. Um, my understanding, I think they wanted to change. I think when I was brought on Saba, I mean, eighth highest suspension rate in the state, right? Not good. You know, highest chronic absenteeism in the county, right? Not good. You had buses that were in disrepair that were failing CHP inspections. You had, I mean, just a ton of things, you know, a modernization project, which you know, was a hot button issue. So you had all these things going on. And I think for me, number one, I looked at that and tried to simplify it. Like, hey, got problems going on. They need somebody they can trust and talk to, right? And so the first couple months were just people venting to me about everything, you know, and, and said, hey, Mr. V, that's what I'm known by here, uh, Mr. V. And it's, hey, you know, academics, this, or, you know, school behavior, that. Or, you know, we got to fix this. And, and so I listen. I listen. And part of listening is then to put it into action. So I said, okay, you guys have issues with, with some of the safety concerns. Let's form a safety committee. And we're going to put our money where our mouth is. And you guys are going to help me make some changes here. So we have secure campus fencing now. We replaced our, our track. So again, I'm going all over. I'm having a conversation with you. But I think it's all interwoven where you have to, people have to understand you. They have to believe what you're saying. And that comes with time, you know? And I think maybe initially people thought, hey, this guy's a, you know, a salesman. You know, there's, there's some element of that because I believe what I'm saying. But I think over time you prove yourself and that's where change happens. Hearing Josh reminds me of a Simon Sinek quote that I know you're all going to be familiar with. But I don't always know that people are familiar with the last line of the quote. He says, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And what you do simply proves what you believe. This is a big lesson that I've taken away from my conversation with Josh. The importance of 
doing things so that people see that, yes, this is your why. And yes, you are actually living what it is that you are saying you are going to do. As they often say, actions speak louder than words. One of the other things that I appreciate hearing from Josh is a reminder about the importance of trusting people to do what they have been hired to do. When I interviewed the learning experience designers at Design39 as part of my research, this was a sentiment that came up again and again from the educators. They felt as if they were trusted to be the professionals, the professional educators that they had been trained as, that they had been hired to come in and be. One of the other big takeaways I have from Josh is the importance of having the conversations and learning about people's fears, frustrations, and motivations. It really goes a long way in being able to create a long-term strategy that is shared amongst the people you are working with. Without a doubt, Josh walked into a very challenging school district that was going through a number of different things from chronic absenteeism to high suspension rates. Yet he was able to turn things around and most recently they received the Golden Bell Award and became a member of the League of Innovative Schools. So I asked him, what were some of the things he did to turn the story around? Yeah, so I'm reminiscing a bit, right? So when I first got hired, I felt like it was a broken, broken group, right? You know, community that was divided. And for me, I didn't like that. I felt like the community had fallen on hard times a bit. I felt like metaphorically they were getting kicked while they were down. And I didn't like it. You know, you got the little guy getting beat up kind of. And so coming in, yes, I wanted to help change that. And it's it's a team effort. So I know you said, hey, what did you do? But it's it's really right, Saba, a team effort. And so I think the first thing with regards to the behavior, I give credit where credit's due. That started with staff members before I got here who realized, hey, like we got a problem. This is not good. We have a super high suspension rate. Kids are out of class. You know, it's affecting academics. We got to do something different. So they got that conversation started. But from there, it was, okay, how do we do this? So we formed a committee, a PBIS committee, people that really were passionate about changing school culture, school-wide behavior. What system are we going to implement? Because whatever we were doing, right, wasn't working. And so I got people that were really passionate about that involved. We formed a committee and then we worked with, with the County Office of Education here in Monterey County to train this committee, right? So then the county's helping us. They, they train this group of people, which were you know, certificated staff, teachers, classified staff, parents. And so you have this core group of four or five people who then, once they were trained, trained the rest of staff. And so it wasn't top down. It was, it was hey, bottom up. We're all kind of doing this together. And they're hearing from their colleagues, hey, here's how we're going to change this. And so that's how we got started. And it was just, once you get going, it's, it's momentum, it's a wave. And so we rode the wave and a lot of things happened positively that changed our culture and behavior. And, and we got honored by the state in December with the Golden Bell Award, right? Which highlights schools and programs that they're implementing to, to implement positive change. And so that was, that was huge for us. But as far as, as the enrollment and, and things like that, I think people want to be excited, right? I think, you know, as parents, I'm thinking when my son Roman goes to school, I want the school leader, whoever it is, to be excited, right? <laughs> We're trusting as parents, you to watch over our children. And I want someone that's invested, someone that's excited about learning and keep my kids safe. And so 
I think people, again, through getting to know me, getting to know, you know, where we're going as a district, having those platforms and venues where people could ask me questions, really, stop unscripted, where, I mean, they're shooting all sorts of stuff. And it's like, hey, I don't have notes. I mean, it's like, I'm going off the cuff here, like, but I'm being honest, you know, and if I didn't have the answer, I'd get back to them. So you have these factors at play, community start getting involved and they're like, you know, okay, what's going on with the school? You know, who's this guy? You know, and then change starts to happen and then people take note. And then you have, like you mentioned, the League of Innovative Schools where, you know, we're doing some stuff. We're creating a mobile learning lab out of a, an old school bus that we had the surplus. So that was highlighted. Our positive behavior system was highlighted. Our reading intervention program was highlighted. You know, kids growing a lot academically getting support that they didn't have before. So you have these different pieces that are being added that were highlighted, which I think was part of our portfolio that got accepted into the League of Innovative Schools. And so we've had these exciting things happening and, and people take note. And so then, yeah, our enrollment is up about 15% this year and growing. So much so that we're, we're trying to hire another person to take on some more kids. But I think for us, it's, it's a team effort. I came into it knowing that there were some difficulties, but I think the community likes, you know, and maybe all communities, but I can tell you this community likes fighters. They like people that fight for their kids, that fight for their community. And so I think that that's part of it too. Like I do get passionate about certain things and maybe my answers with certain people are not always as polished, but I think people appreciate just the honesty. Like if we're not doing very good, we're not doing very good. Like, here's how we're going to improve that. And I don't think people want to be shined on with certain things. They just want the truth. And how are we going to fix it? How can we fix it together? You've heard Josh emphasize the importance of highlighting people. In fact, one of the reasons I came to learn about the work that Josh was doing was through his monthly newsletter. It's a question we ask every single leader on the show because it's one that we believe has tremendous value, especially in today's day and age. And we also really believe that this is a skill that everybody should develop. I asked Josh how he sees the relationship between leadership and social influence. So I think leadership is social influence, right? I think that's essentially what it is. And so the point of the newsletter is, and it started back when I was an assistant principal with Twitter, just the idea that the tweets, right, the pictures and the description you're giving is a window into the classroom or into the school. And because oftentimes parents don't have time to necessarily visit school every single day and see what their child is doing. So Twitter was a way to kind of amplify and share that. The newsletter is really the same thing. So not everybody has Twitter. A lot of people have Facebook or Instagram. Those are great to highlight day to day. Uh, but the newsletter really is a way to capture kind of the highlights from, you know, we did the first part of the year, what's going on here at school. And so the idea being that if you don't tell your story, somebody else will. <laughs> and so I want us to be the, the narrators of our own story. Because oftentimes, especially in our world with social media, there is noise out there and you hear stuff and it's like, that, that's not happening, right? That's not true. So hear from us as a school, here's what's taking place. You know, we, we highlight our PTO, we highlight our alumni, people that are doing great things in the community. And it's just a way for us as a group to share all the great things going on. It doesn't have to be social media. I think that's, 
it's easy, right? Because, you know, we found that a lot of our families uh, maybe don't check the all call messages that go up, but you know what they do check? <laughs> the Instagram <laughs> or Facebook, right? So a lot of people do have social media. So for us, it works because we know that that's a frequency that people usually check. But if someone is not savvy or comfortable with social media, that's okay. Another strategy I use is I give a weekly update every week to staff about things that are happening. But I also highlight you know, successes or bright spots. And so that's a way for... Because a lot of times, if you're in a classroom, you don't get to see what's happening at recess or in the office or in the kitchen. And so... But I get to, to see a lot of different things. And so it's a way for people to continue to hear what's going on at school, have a pulse for what's going on at school. And people like hearing that. You know, I also... They don't want to do social media, you know, pop around classrooms and I leave notes, you know, if I visit or, or you, you know, for coming back from a break, things like that, just uh, positive notes for returning. But I think there's many ways that you can do that that don't require social media. It's just being present, whether that's in person, on a phone call, a Zoom meeting, and just being your authentic self, listening to people, being honest with people. That's how you, you create change, I believe. We must be the narrators of our own story because if we're not, someone else will. And I really appreciate how Josh shares that if you're hesitant to start or you're just beginning to get more comfortable with a public platform, doing something internal can be a great stepping stone. For example, the newsletter. And even though I'm not a part of the San Antonio School District, Josh actually shares those newsletters with me. And so you can select a few people that you want to be able to share things with as you begin making the transition to more and more public platforms. I also want to highlight here that building a social presence and thinking about leadership in that way is not only for people that have a leadership title per se in a formal way. It's really an opportunity to build community, to share your ideas and to showcase your strengths. One of the questions I've been receiving a lot from people lately is how to begin making transitions in their careers. And time and time again, I say the number one way in which you can do this is through having a really strong social media presence. The reason being is you're able to connect with people who oftentimes are not proximate to where you are. And that allows you to connect with individuals who oftentimes have shared values. They're working towards the things that you're excited to work towards. They're doing projects where they may be hiring and while that may not happen for you in the first few you know, weeks or months of being on social media, that consistency in showing up online, in sharing who you are, in sharing your skills, sharing your strengths, sharing your ideas, which by the way, do not have to be huge, elaborate, or new. It's the really simple day-to-day things that we're doing. This sharing of all these different things helps us connect with people, build community, and ultimately opens the door to new opportunities. It's something you'll hear from every single person who's made these really significant career transitions in their life. One of the challenges, though, is that you can't always build that presence when you are looking for that opportunity. And it's really when you've taken the time to invest in that social media presence that you have ultimately taken the time to invest in yourself. In the coming weeks, I'm going to be hosting a masterclass on building leadership and social influence. And I encourage you to subscribe to the designingschools.org website so that you get an email when this workshop goes live. Like I said, it's a question I have received from so many of you. 
And I'm going to show you step-by-step how you can begin this journey or enhance what it is that you are already doing. One of the things that I've really enjoyed following Josh on social media for has been watching his family grow. And I'm really curious, and this is the question that I'm going to close the interview with, how has becoming a parent influenced your practice? How has becoming a parent influenced my practice? I think the key word is patience. My son is a combination of my wife and I, which on the surface sounds great, but then he knows our trigger points. He knows he's the combination of both of us, right? So patience, I think, is what I've learned about being a parent. And I think I can apply that to any child here because it's a relatable situation. When I have conversations with parents, you know, oftentimes after we have our chat about whatever it is, and I think this comes back to being authentic, right? I had a conversation with a parent and a lot of times when I call home, parents tend to think it's about discipline. Not always, but this phone call was. And so we, we chatted about the, the poor choice that was made. And then after that was resolved, you know, I knew that they had a younger child as well. And I said, hey, I have a question for you. This is so-and-so. My son is three. He's doing X, Y, and Z. You have any advice for me? Did you go through this, right? And so it turned into dealing with the situation at hand, but it also then morphed into, hey, like, he's asking me a question. He's valuing my input as a parent now. He's relatable, right? He's not just this mythical person in the office, right? It's, it's Mr. V the Human. And I did. I was genuinely asking for advice. Like, hey, did you see this happen with your child? <laughs> and if so, what did you do? Because my wife and I are racking our brain and, and it's, it's, uh, we're losing our patience, right? So I think just something like that where it's just being authentic, right? It was, it was an honest conversation that turned into something else. And I think that all circles back to trust, right? I'm a human, right? I was being vulnerable. I was saying, like, I don't know, help me. And I think that shows people leadership, right? I'm asking for help. So all I was going to say about that was I don't want him to ever lose his love of learning because right now, whether it's Play-Doh, dinosaurs, monster trucks, he's so curious and he wants to build and tear down and ask questions and tell me, you know, he knows the names of these different dinosaurs, which is fascinating. I don't ever want him to lose that. My other son as well, who's on his way, right, in a couple months. But I want them to go to school and continue to be curious, ask questions, and not just regurgitate something that's in a book. It's your turn to join the conversation by sharing what you enjoyed or what questions you have. In a world where time and attention are so valuable, Thank you for choosing to listen and for being a part of our Designing Schools community. Leaving a review for the podcast helps others learn about the show, giving them the gift of knowledge and allowing this community to help create access and exposure to ideas and opportunities others may not even know exist.